Hello, and welcome to the NLP Highlights Podcast, where we talk about interesting recent work in natural language processing. This is Matt Gardner and Walid Ammar. We are research scientists at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Okay, today's paper is called Picks to Code, Generating Code from a Graphical User Interface Screenshot. This is by Tony Beltramelli at Wizard Technologies in Denmark. The idea from behind this paper is really pretty interesting, I thought. Uh, it's generating code, very similar to the uh, code generation paper that we talked about a few episodes ago, where um, some folks at CMU took natural language descriptions of software and generated the software from that description. But instead of having a natural language description, we get an image describing the software. And then we encode the image and decode software. I think this is really cool. Uh, so the method that this paper presents is like very, very simple. And uh, I think we could do a whole lot better than this. Um, but first, but it's, it's the problem formulation here that I think is really interesting and something that we haven't really thought of in the NLP community, but I think is really applicable and really nice. Um, it's it's a, an interesting new uh, application for semantic parsing in general. And so let me talk a little bit about this problem specification first. So what Tony did was he at first generated a very simple domain-specific language that describes user interfaces. So uh, this has things like I have a stack of items. And in the stack, I have uh, a row. I, I can have several rows uh, of actual user interface um, components. So maybe there's a label and a switch, followed by a label and a button, followed by a label and a slider. Uh, just you, you can imagine building um, user interface components using this uh, domain-specific language. Uh, it's not at the level of code, but it's pretty similar to code. And given a reasonable compiler, you could compile it directly to code in a specific framework. This, this is how things like PhoneGap and other kinds of things that, that compile uh, JavaScript to native U, UI elements, like you can do this. You've given some high-level description of uh, a user interface, you can compile it to native code on any particular platform that you want. <clears throat> and so uh, he came up with this domain-specific language for defining very simple user interfaces. It doesn't get very complicated just labels and switches and, and buttons and sliders and uh, groupings into horizontal or vertical kinds of uh, stacks. And then um, he also had a compiler that would take this and, and generate code in three specific platforms for iOS, for Android, and for the web. And then uh, given the domain specific language, you can automatically generate a whole bunch of different configurations from uh, valid uh, UI descriptions in this interface language. And then given the compiler, you can, co you can take the generated uh, DSL code, compile it into an iOS GUI, take a screenshot of it, and then use that as a training example, where you have the screenshot and the DSL code. Uh, and this is, so the, the screenshot is your input, and the DSL code is your output. And he generated 1,500 training examples for uh, all three um, frameworks, for iOS, for Android, and for HTML. And 250 test examples, trained a model on the 1,500, tested it on the 250. 
pretty small data set, but he was able to get really good performance on this. So this is potentially a revolutionary step in uh, graphical uh, in, uh, in software design. Um, when you're building user interfaces, it really consumes a lot of time to write the code for it. And if you can just give, um, give your model an image which represents what you want to do and be able to convert it to code, that would be great. Um, one thing I'm worried about is how hard would it be for a designer to actually um, construct these images in the same way uh, that they're using in, in the training data because they, they, don't, they don't tend to be the same thing. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would go so far as to say revolutionary. Um, like Apple's Xcode already lets you build the user interface in a largely graphical kind of way. So like you can just drag and drop UI components onto your, um, onto your app. And that's kind of the process you would have to do to build a mock uh, of this app anyway to get the image. And so I'm not sure it saves you a whole lot. I think it's more interesting just from a modeling perspective. Like this is, this is an interesting problem. How, how far can we push this at getting semantic parsers uh, to operate on image input instead of on text input? I just think that's a really interesting idea. And to have the designer actually produce something that's in the same style as this training set also, as you said, might be a little bit problematic. You'd have to like take a, a, a known GUI from an app, for example, like a screenshot of an app and like cut and paste things and modify it. So yeah, there, there are definitely still some open questions here on like how generalizable is this to, to a variety of different user interface things. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the main idea still stands. This is a really interesting application problem, I think. So let's talk about the model. Um, the model here is about as simple a model as you can think about. Uh, it, if you're familiar with any kind of like sequence-to-sequence uh, -sequence text generation or like image captioning kinds of stuff, this is like vanilla uh, models for these kinds of tasks. They have a convolutional neural network that's based on v VGG. Um, to encode the GUI into a vector of features. And then they use uh, an LSTM, a two-layer LSTM, to encode the um, DSL. Just to, in a, like I'm generating it just a sequence of tokens in this DSL, including all of the syntax, the opening and closing brackets and everything. It's just generated in, in a sequence-to-sequence language modeling kind of approach where um, I guess I'm saying sequence-to-sequence -sequence because that's what I'm familiar with, but this isn't a sequence-to-sequence. -sequence, it's a picture to sequence. Um, there's there's no associated um, text with the image. You're just given the image and the code. And so the first thing that you do is predict the first token. Then given the given the the correct token, you predict the next one. And uh, he in this paper uses a window of 48 tokens. Um, and it's just a classification decision. Given the history of the previous 48 tokens, uh, I can just have a whole bunch of training examples that say, given this state, what am I going to predict next? Which token comes next? One interesting point uh, that he made is that he's not trying to output label text. He's assuming um, just that this is a label, and you don't need to do any kind of OCR on the label itself. And so the output space is actually quite small. It's just the, the valid reserved words in this domain-specific language. And so he uses just a one-hot encoding of this, doesn't try to do any kind of fancy word embeddings uh, at, on the input level. And so it's actually a really pretty simple kind of problem, uh, which 
you can see by looking at his accuracy, he gets like 98% area under the curve uh, in then some of these best settings, and like 98, 99. He does it. It works really, really well, um, which probably means that it's uh, very easy data, right? Okay. As, as you were suggesting. Yeah, I wonder how uh, do we synchronize uh, the input though? Because in sequence-to-sequence -sequence models, there's a natural way to synchronize consuming the input. Uh, it's not clear to me how the, how does this model uh, work. Yeah, he he doesn't consume the image at all. So it's just at every step, you get the same vector, the same image features out, and so it's entirely up to the LSTM to to keep track of what it's done, what it still has to output. You, you can imagine doing a whole lot better modeling than this, right? right? And I, I think there's, I, I, when I saw the abstract of this, I was imagining some really cool visualizations of like the attention at any particular decoding step to see like what's it, what it's looking at when it's when it's doing this. Like he he doesn't do any any of this modeling at all. So there's a whole lot of interesting work that can be done pushing this. I'm I'm really excited. This, reading this paper made me want to work on this problem. It, it seems really cool. You you'd have to think a lot about like getting better data, more varied data, so that it's not such an easy task. Um, but I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, and also finding a, a real problem where this kind of decoding would actually help. Because like you suggested, if the developer draws, can draw the components on uh, and, and, uh, and they, uh, visually, then there is no need for doing this. Yeah, so the paper we looked at a few episodes ago, and in the decoder, decoded to an abstract syntax tree instead of to just a plain um, sequence of tokens. And we know that this works a whole lot better because uh, you're not, the modeling capacity that uh, the model has can be focused on what actually, like the semantics of what you're generating instead of trying to learn the syntax of this DSL. And so, yeah, there, there's a lot that can be done both on um, like how you're handling the the image, attention over the image, how you're actually doing decoding. There's a, uh, if you want to do some interesting work, that, that could, it should be pretty easy to beat this baseline. Right, but there's not much room left actually to, <laughs> to improve. Right, right, okay. So uh, I think it'd be also interesting to talk about some related stuff. Like, um, as I said, this was pretty new. I haven't seen anything quite like this. And um, the, there are a few things that are at least a little bit close. The closest things I can think of are Jacob Andreas's neural module networks. So there, this is uh, trying to operate on the, the visual question answering data set, VQA, where you're given an image and a question. And then what Jacob's neural module networks do is they do a semantic parse, essentially, of the question into some structured representation that, that then gets executed on the image. So you could think of this as semantic parsing to a learned execution model that operates over attentions on the image. And it's kind of close, uh, except you're still, you have text, and you're, the semantic parse is of the text and not of the image itself. Uh, for more like structured extraction from images, there's this MC2 uh, data set by Mark Yatskar at the University of Washington and AI2, where uh, they, instead of doing image classification for uh, classifying which objects are in the image or um, object detection, like saying which image is where in an image, which object is where in an image, they uh, extract frames from an image. So uh, you might have an attacking frame where I, I just opened the mc2.org website and the first image that appeared to me was of an elephant attacking a hippo, looks like. And so uh, 
what gets labeled here is there's an attacking frame that has four slots, agent, victim, weapon, place. And the agent is elephant. The elephant's doing the attacking. The victim is the hippo. The weapon is the elephant's trunk. And the place is outside. And this is getting pretty close to the semantic parsing kind of thing. You're like you're taking an image and giving, getting structured output, but it's not as compositional as you would find in like UI generation or code generation kinds of stuff. So the we have things that are getting kind of close, but uh, I still think this is like a really interesting idea. And that's it. Uh, the, oh, I I don't know if I mentioned this was a NIPS submission uh, to NIPS 2017, and. As I said, really, really interesting problem to me. A uh, really simple model. Uh, should be pretty easy to extend this idea to more interesting data sets. And I'm really excited to see what comes next out of this. I think it's it'll be a nice line of work. Thank you for presenting this paper, Matt. Next time, we'll talk about a paper titled Generalizing to Unseen Entities and Entity Pairs with Rawless Universal Schema.